0: I'm Marianne Ann mcgee Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. And I'm here at the Chime Advocacy Summit, speaking with John Kravitz, who is CIO of Geisinger Health in Pennsylvania, and we're going to be talking a little bit about legislation that was just passed by Congress and is expected to be signed soon by President Trump that deals with the opioid crisis and some in the healthcare community, uh, the IT healthcare community had been pushing for some provisions that would make it easier for patients' records pertaining to opioid addiction to be shared with the healthcare providers that care for these patients, but that was dropped. So John's gonna talk to us a little bit about what the significance is of this legislation and what are some of the privacy and security issues that are still a problem for healthcare entities that deal with these patients. Hi, John.
1: Good morning, Marianne. So I think the value of the, the bill that was just passed by the House and the Senate is awareness and and really supporting our population with regard to opioid abuse and trying to restrict the amount of opioids that are being given to, to patients that make them become addicted to opioids is always a big concern. So healthcare systems and CHIME has been a big advocate of this have really focused on different techniques and education with providers in managing and curtailing the proliferation of opioid prescriptions so that people, new patients, do not become abused and and become addicted to opioids. So that's been one of our strong initiatives. This is passed by the federal government to be signed by President Trump. However, uh, we still have an issue with privacy and a PDMP, which is is a method for us to be able to track where patients are receiving opioids or any kind of drugs from state to state, or within our state boundaries. Part of the concerns that we have is that states have different roles and regulations with regard to privacy, and so while we can reciprocate with our neighboring states with a PDMP, it does allow us to, to get some information from them. However, it doesn't allow us to retain information or in some cases because of the privacy rules and regulations of states not able to share all the information that we need to to share. Why that's a challenge, we have healthcare systems in multiple states and so one of my colleagues has a health system that hospitals are five miles apart, but they're in different states. So there is a lot of potential trafficking back and forth between those states in order to get opioid prescriptions when somebody's addicted to opioids. What we'd like to see is a national initiative to have a PDMP that's actually a situation where states don't monitor or they can't restrict, because of patient privacy, uh, access to that from state to state. Or somebody may fly to another state that's way outside of the range of the PDMPs where they would reciprocate between states and be able to go un- unnoticed trying to solicit opioid prescriptions from another provider. So I think that's really important. One of the other initiatives we talked about was behavioral health, and that's a CFR 42. The challenge there is a patient could be getting treatment for opioids, but have an episode where they become ill and have to go to an emergency department. But because of the state regulations in the state of Pennsylvania, we have super protected information, health information that can't be shared, protect the privacy of the patients, but it doesn't protect their health. And it could be dangerous, and you never know, a patient who's on an opioid or drug treatment program in one of our facilities may go to an ED where they don't have a record or any notification that the patient's on opioids and prescribe opioids, and and it could kill the patient. So it's really scary from the patient's perspective, and and isn't that why we're here, to take care of the patients and to make sure that, that people are healthy and not addicted to opioids?
0: And that proposal, the uh, CFR 42 Part 2 proposal, was to align the privacy regs related to that so that they're similar to the HIPAA privacy rule, so that information could be shared for treatment, payment, and business-related operations. If that had been part of this legislation that was just passed, what would that have meant in terms of, you know, would this now allow you to remove some of the restraints in terms of who sees that information within an organization, who can get that information, and what would it have meant from a technology point of view, or is a lot of this information about these patients still paper-based because you're afraid that electronic records might be accessed too easily?
1: Well, speaking from our system from Geisinger, we do have electronic health records. They are not on our same electronic health record system right now. They are an electronic health record, however, it's a different segregated system to protect that privacy. I'm not an expert on CFR 42, but what my knowledge is, is that uh, this could open up those barriers and open up communication and sharing of information that would protect the health of our patients to a much greater degree. I had talked about briefly a national PDMP. Well, part of that is having a national patient identifier so you know you have the right patient that you're looking to track throughout the country, if you will. That's really important. But there are initiatives that need to go on in order for us to be able to have a national patient identification. Back in 1997, uh, there was an assignment plan to assign a numbering scheme for all of the citizens of our country and knowing who they were so that we would have a clear identification for health purposes. Unfortunately, advocacy groups stepped in and that never happened in the BBA 1997. So I think this is a strong impetus for this to happen going forward. It's extremely important for the health of our patients. Uh, especially when you're in larger cities where we may have a a migrant population coming in. And, you know, there's sharing of insurance cards and other things amongst family members. But it's the idea behind it. It would Yes, it would eliminate insurance fraud and things of that nature. However, more importantly, it would provide for the proper identification and the proper medication history, the problems that they have, the allergies they may have to medications, and save lives. So I think that's where it's really important is saving the lives of the, of the people that are in our country and, and what we're here to to, here to protect.
0: So now when the industry talks about improving patient matching and patient IDs, are they sort of pushing for the lifting of that ban for a national ID number for patients? Or is it you know coming up with other methods of better identifying patients with their records?
1: Well, I think there isn't necessarily a push for a national patient identification to the best of my knowledge. We have been working on things like probabilistic matching with probabilities that's a high level of confidence that the patient is who the patient is. But that requires a lot of other sources of information. Similar to when you apply for a mortgage for your home and they want to make sure they know your whole history and where you were and have you ever defaulted on loans and things like that. But it's so important that we we look and we continue to uh, advocate this to, to better protect the, the people of our country. Because really, by having a national patient identifier, it opens up so many boundaries. And also, CFR 42, if we can loosen the restrictions on that to treat patients and share information for payment treatment or operations, what HIPAA was designed for, we could save a lot more lives and, and make certain that people are, are protected properly.
0: So now when it comes to sensitive patient information, you know, there's so much worry about data breaches and privacy issues and insiders with malicious intent, you know, to the hackers who might be gathering information about people for extortion perhaps. What are some of the difficulties in terms of making sure that any of this sort of sensitive opioid-related or other sort of drug-related information on patients is safe? in the EHR, do you have to take any special precautions to protect that information any more stringent than you would protect their other more, you know, everyday health information?
1: Well, we have to take initiatives to protect the the behavioral health patients to a much greater degree. Although we take initiatives cybersecurity-wise to prevent from hacking attempts and things of that nature, encryption encryption of our devices, encryption of data in transition, encryption of data within our own data centers, transitioning from the device to the server where stuff is stored, patient information stored. So our goal is to have zero defects with this, zero uh, data releases. Protecting the, the information for our patients is our utmost concern and the privacy of that information. But what we're talking about here is a whole different issue and that is interoperability between healthcare providers because a patient doesn't necessarily see the same doctor or the same hospital everywhere and they travel and they go to different places but it's so extremely important that that information is shareable. Uh, I could tell you one initiative Geisinger Health was one of the first we were in the first group with Apple with the Apple Health Kit the ability for patients to integrate right into our environment and pull down their whole electronic health record to their iPhone. And so we were one of the first nine or 11 organizations that Apple partnered with to do this. Now a number have done this going forward, which is great. I think it's wonderful for our patients, the interoperability to share with other providers, whether traveling internationally or traveling nationally, where you're not part of it. But this, this puts it more in the patient driving, the sharing of their information. And the hope is that we can have interoperability from that iPhone into the electronic health record of any system they go to in the future. That's not been established yet, but that's part of our roadmap to advocate and to have the technology to support that going forward. So this way the patient really does have the portability of their own information as HIPAA was designed for. Not just getting a paper record or something on a CD, but having it on their phone and getting the most current updates to that information so they can be shared with other providers so they could have the optimal level of care they desire and need.
0: And one last question, when it comes to the advancement of secure and interoperable health information exchange, is there any particular technology that's most promising to you that could help with this?
1: Well, the technology itself, um, encryption plays a big role in this. We have a health information exchange, High, Keystone Health Information Exchange, which is one of three or four in the state of Pennsylvania. And, and we have quite a large population that we serve for it. But uh, we take every measure possible to make sure that information is secure and protected. Encryption is one of our major tools that we utilize. But it's good operating practice habits as well. And working with uh, providers that we we provide the connectivity to disparate health systems to have that information. Uh, they see it as a value add, a real tool, because they have accessibility to care that's been delivered elsewhere in the community Uh, because all care doesn't happen in your four walls of a health care organization. So when it comes to population health and, and closing gaps in care, we utilize that information in our analytics process to identify gaps in care and fire those order sets back into our electronic health record. Uh, But when we have community information, we know those gaps in care could have been closed at other places and not necessarily subject the patient to asking them all these questions because we're more knowledgeable about their health care that's been provided to our patients.
0: Thanks, John. I'm Mary Ann Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group, and I've been talking to John Kravitz of Geisinger Health. Thanks for listening.